0: Happy Monday, my friends. This is Amy Lee San Juan, and I'd like to welcome you back to another great episode of Cisco Champion Radio. Today, we're talking about DevNet specialization and what this means for our partners. And to give you the goods, we have an amazing panel of experts and Cisco champions to help guide this conversation and deliver what you want to know. All right, so we're going to get started with a round of introductions, and then we'll get into the good stuff. Okay, Chuck, we'll start with you. Can you introduce yourself and what it is you do at Cisco?
1: Thanks Emily. My name is Chuck Stickney. I'm a member of our DevNet Partner Transformation Team. And my responsibility is working with our channel partners. So some of the fine folks that we have with us on this call today and working through getting them into our DevNet partner ecosystem and earning their way towards the DevNet specialization.
0: Great, Ryan. Oh, Chuck, Chuck, before we move to Ryan, do you have a Twitter handle?
1: Oh, I'm sorry, I do. I have the very ambiguous Twitter handle of Chuck Stickney. So hard to figure out, but yeah, it's Perfect. that. Perfect.
0: <laughs> all right, Ryan, tell us about yourself.
2: Yeah, um, so I am Ryan Wolf. Uh, I'm a programmability architect at a company called Ironbow Technologies, which is a uh, you know, relatively large uh, Cisco partner. Um, we focus kind of in the federal and healthcare space, but kind of hit all of it um, a little bit as well. Um, so I, I lead up all of our programmability and automation efforts, both internally for our engineers, as well as, uh, to our clients, um, and potential customers. Um, my background is, uh, I kind of started programming first, um, at a younger age, um, and then kind of got into networking and then security. I did that for about 10 years, putting in a little bit of development spin anywhere I could to, you know, ease my, my burdens as an engineer And, uh. So now the last couple of years, I've been focusing in, in this role that actually focuses on programmability and that kind of hybrid skill set. So, um, you know, back in May, when the program was uh, released or kind of opened up, we started kind of starting to pursue and get the additional certifications required to uh, get the DevNet uh, specialization added to uh, our company logo stack, if you will. <laughs> um, on Twitter, uh, I am at uh, some wolf. I always get asked, it's because my father is the wolf, so I'm just some other one. And um,
0: nice. <laughs> probably
2: more importantly, uh, on GitHub, you can uh, find some of my stuff at rnwolf as well.
0: You got to take uh, advantage of that cool last name you have there.
2: Yeah.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, Matthias, you're up next.
3: Thank you. Uh, I am Matthias Prokop. I'm the principal architect in Natalik. Uh Natilic is a Cisco Gold Partner uh, headquartered in London. However, we have the offices in New York and Sydney as well. Uh, my role uh, was always mainly about the enterprise and the data center. But in the last year or two, I started to being more focused on the DevOps uh, and the network automation. That's where we've met with Chuck uh, in some of the Cisco lives events. Uh, and uh, yeah, enjoying, you know, everything around the network automation and DevOps. Uh, I guess you can find me on Twitter at uh, Mati0609.
0: Great. All right, Paul, last but not least, who are you? What do you do?
3: Hi, everybody. I am Paul Giblin.
4: I'm a distinguished engineer with Presidio. Um, You know, Presidio has gone through a pretty interesting transformation over the last uh, few years. It's been going on for a long time, but uh, I think DevNet's had a a big part to play in that as we went from being kind of a traditional sort of VAR to uh, being very focused on a lot of programmability concepts and uh, you know we've certainly aligned with Cisco in a pretty big way uh, with that. So excited to be here. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at dreamless.od.
0: All right Chuck, can you give us a little background on today's topic? Although we got a little bit during the, the introductions. Uh, what are we talking about today?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So specializations are kind of what we use uh, inside of Cisco to classify or categorize our partner ecosystem. So traditionally in resale, we'll have things that you may be familiar with. You know, as as we heard, we have a couple gold partners that are here. That's that's kind of meant as a resale type of uh, type of distinction. We also have what we call architectural specializations. So uh, partners that focus on a given technology, whether it be data center or security or collaboration, they can have specialized they can have specializations there would kind of give them that badge that says, yes, we're an expert in this technology space. In the last few months we released what we call a business specialization specifically for DevNet. So it kind of, it's, I describe it as a hybrid where it's, we, we definitely focus on the, the certifications and the technical aptitude of a partner, but we also look at their business practice. So it's not just can a specialized partner, do they have someone that can, you know, hit the keyboard, write out some code and solve a problem. But do they have a business process? Do they have a practice around it that can actually turn those into outcomes that our shared customers can make use of and then experience the benefits and all the delight of that wonderful uh, intellectual property that our partners can deliver on top of our definite uh, APIs.
3: So uh, yeah, that sounds, that sounds great, Chuck. Um... So, like you, you nicely describe, you know, what is DevNet Partner Program and what what DevNet is. And um, I think the first question, you know, which came to my mind, I was wondering, like, how do you think this program will help the partners? Like, um, is this program supposed to be changing the way partners are doing the business, or uh, are these this is this program supposed to help to transform these partners into sort of like a new areas? Uh, or are these partners will stay you know some sort of like in you know, a core network partners and they will be developing this new devnet and devops uh, practices.
1: Yeah so Matthias I think it really kind of it, it's really up to the partner. We're not really descriptive in saying that you know, you must you know transform your business to do you know to move towards a new direction. We allow the partners to really have the ability to do that. So if you're an existing reseller today and you're doing a lot of resale business, but you want to augment that by either adding professional services or perhaps, uh, you know, turning into to to manage services or, you know, acts as a service of the types of uh, traditional hardware that you're delivering, the DevNet specialization can certainly help you with doing that. And by having that specialization, again, it guarantees that you have practitioners on staff that understand and have the capabilities but also the, those go- to market practices that you can bring them out there. what we do see though is you know obviously with everything you know this is focused on programmability we have our champions here the idea of moving towards as you have said as Paul has said as Ryan has said, really starting to evolve into a DevOps practice and being able to take those capabilities and either increase my capabilities as an existing partner or open up into new routes to revenue of either I'm adding new products, I'm expanding, the relevancy of the types of solutions that i build to go higher than just it i'm now targeting directly at business use cases that can allow a partner to transform into that the other area where it allows and it's you know kind of unique for you know the the three partners we have today are part of our existing ecosystem but we feel that this can transform the partner ecosystem in general and that we can bring in partners that today don't have, or prior to today, did not have a mechanism to get into the partner ecosystem because they were not a resell partner. They really do a lot of software, but hey, how could I I come and do a joint go-to-market with any one of our existing partners and say, hey, I really understand this software skill. I really understand this vertical. You understand the technology piece of it. You you have the customer relationships. How can we work together to be able to bundle those up and build those true value add services that sit on top of the infrastructure?
3: Okay, so so that basically you are saying, and that that was one of the questions which I wanted to ask you next. Um, You know, I'm seeing loads of the. I I could tell
1: that I just got in front. I, I just saw where you were going. (laughs)
3: <laughs> Thank you. Uh, the 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 question would be about the engineers and you know and and the partners uh, in a nutshell because I've seen a few engineers who, for instance, didn't really do anything with Cisco. They haven't been like a proper Cisco engineers in a sense, but they were really interested in DevNet. So I've seen a few engineers already to you know starting to doing certification and becoming DevNet professionals, for instance. So you're saying that you're starting to see in the same way the partners uh, as well to joining the program, which they haven't been involved in a Cisco previously, and suddenly they are starting to being interested more in the uh, in a DevNet and hopefully in a, in a Cisco uh, as a next step?
1: Yes, very much so. So we're working with a couple partners right now uh, to bring them into the program where they're, they're non-traditional partners. They, they've, you know... They've been customers of Cisco's. In some cases, they may have even been providers to Cisco. But now they're coming through this DevNet specialization. They're coming into the ecosystem. So our our very large channel partners or or that that ecosystem of channel partners today can work with those partners to be able to deliver those services. But you you mentioned at at the individual level there, if you think through our DevNet certs, you know, the idea there of being able to take a traditional network engineer and give them software practices practice skills is half of that equation the other half is taking you know all those folks that you know for the last 10 years have been building applications that go on these iPhones that we all really love but we kind of question what's the real business value of that you know how do how do i tie that into something that actually is repeatable and and, and you know addressable to a larger market taking those skill sets and pulling them into infrastructure to be able to take uh, I know how to do software give me a little bit of knowledge on how to do how to tie that to networking and then I become much more marketable towards a more predictable and a more traditional audience that you know there's still a lot of brick and mortar out there that still requires a lot of network services and I think you know, individuals that add that infrastructure component to their software skill set become much more marketable and then they can help tie into this ecosystem
4: So I was going to ask, what's what's the distribution that you're seeing between, uh, you know, traditional partners who have been attached uh, at the hip with Cisco for a very long period of time, who are adding these new skill sets and capabilities, uh, versus folks who come with the programmability skill sets who don't really have much of a relationship with Cisco, who are learning the uh, the infrastructure side of the house. Is is that a 60 40 thing, a 50 50 thing? What are you seeing?
1: Yeah, Paul, today it's it's probably, you know, maybe a 90-10 or an 80-20. And part of that is just kind of based on what we know. So from a Cisco perspective, we would work through our global partner organization, we'd work through our existing channels and our existing, you know, who we know and kind of, hey, this is a program you can get into. This is where we see the world going. Both from a Cisco side as well from a partner side, it if I put my shoes in the partner of a non-traditional partner, If I have not been working with Cisco, it's sometimes a struggle to figure out how to get there. That's one of the reasons we made the developer portal different from traditional internal Cisco, because we're trying to brand it to go more towards the developer environment. So we do see partners coming in that are not part of our ecosystem, but I think it's one, I have a challenge of figuring out how to get to them, and I think they have a challenge in figuring out how to get to us. So in a little bit, it's kind of relationship to relationship as we as we kind of expand that out. We're working with our marketing teams right now of, you know, how do we socialize that we even have this concept so that someone that's, you know, heads down writing iPhone apps, how can we get to them to let them know that, hey, you can take those skills and you can get them into the big game as well?
2: Yeah, I think one thing too um – And I know this is probably one of the first questions I asked or was looking for is from the partner perspective, what are some of the key kind of benefits that kind of come along with the program, right?
1: So from a benefits perspective today, as I mentioned, you know, so DevNet and I think many of the followers that are going to be listening to this podcast are very familiar with what DevNet is and they kind of know. Um, we, we talked about events earlier, and I kind of got a little bit nostalgic to to wait. We could go to an event and we could see people. That would be yeah. <laughs> it, it, yeah. dare to dream, dare to dream. But as we see folks there, that I'm sorry, Ryan, I lost your question.
2: Um, it basically it was about the kind of the key benefits of the DevNet special. Benefits, yes, thank you.
1: <laughs> yep. So leveraging the marketing capabilities that we have of being able to get involved with those definite events and leveraging our social channels to make sure that, hey, Ironbow gets into this program. We're going to leverage our our social media channels to be able to let uh, your potential customers and other potential customers know about that. Our developer portal today, which is we have more than 500,000 members inside of that uh, community today, and that's made up of customers, other Cisco partners and of course Cisco internal folks that kind of build out that organi- that that build out that community. As you become a specialized partner, we give you a presence in that space to be able to market and describe what it is that you do, put examples of the types of code and the types of solutions that you're delivering so it becomes you've got that semi-captive audience and you have a direct opportunity to market to those uh, to that audience to show them what you do. And as we go through those three classes, whether it's a customer, then that that one's obvious. I'm looking for someone and hey, maybe it's Ironbow, maybe it's Presidio, maybe it's Natalik that says, you know, can can that part, you know, I I have this problem. Looks like this partner can help me along there, but also from other partners. So, you know, even if it's a a, a traditional channel partner that maybe they're not in that geography, maybe they're not in that space, maybe they don't have that technical architecture they can find ways to do peer-to-peer type of arrangements but the other one and I think this is a big value we've got approximately 20,000 members of our Cisco sales community globally those folks are all in this program as well so when I'm when I when I was in sales and I was working on a particular engagement half the battle was figuring out okay I know what technology I want to position there how do I find the right partner to help solve that problem being able to lever the de, to leverage this to deliver that knowledge to our Cisco Salesforce becomes a very interesting benefit to our partners because you're speaking directly to that language. And we do have a very large sales force that works with our partner sales forces out there to be able to combine and you know market these solutions and deliver these solutions to our customers.
3: So... Like, you know, we're, we're talking about the partners, but we didn't really mention the clients yet. Uh, so, like, let's assume I'm the client, you know, and uh, I can choose from two partners. And one of the partners, you know, they will, you know, then they will have that, like, cool batch saying, you know, DevNet specialized. Right. What, it should, what it should say to me as a client, you know, what, you know, is it, is it good? Like, you know, what benefits it brings to me as a client if I'm going to see that the partner who I will be dealing with has a DevNet batch, and you know, apparently, has he has the guys and engineers and the sales upskilled to uh, to sell and and do DevNet.
1: We think, from an industry perspective, that that's really one of the big values of our partner recognition or our partner specialization program. So, if you think back to 15 years ago, kind of when before we did some of the architectural specializations. It was all about, I want to find a Cisco Gold partner, and two reasons for that. One, it's obviously a partner that's doing a lot of business, so they're, they're understanding what's out there. But the other piece of that is in order to be Gold, you always had to have a certain number of CCIEs on your staff. So what that meant, what that told customers is if I'm finding a partner that has this badge, then I know that Cisco's vetted them and they have experts on their staff that can solve these challenges for me. It's the same scenario that we leverage with the DevNet specialization. So in your scenario, if I have two partners, I know both of them. One of them has the DevNet specialization. What that specialization badge is telling a customer and what a customer should be looking for in that case is to know that, okay, I need to deploy something related to programmability. I'm trying to do uh, an optimization of a data center or an integration between a data center and and SD-WAN and a collaboration service. I know I need a software skill set to define that a specialized partner, I know because Cisco has required them, they have to have individuals that have the necessary talent and um, all three of you represent organizations that either have that or are building towards it. But I also know that they have a process around it. So it's not just a couple of engineers that took a test. We verified that they have a true software development lifecycle, that they have documentation, that it doesn't matter if it's person one or person two that comes to the organization or comes to solve my problem. They have the skill set and they have the process that says this is a best practice. This is how we're always going to deploy it. That customer then has the, the sense of reassurance that that DevNet specialized partner knows what they're doing. And is able to deliver the service to them.
2: Yeah, one thing I would kind of just to piggyback on that is, um, you know, having seen our path over the last couple of years, um, that business side that you kind of keep alluding to really can't be undervalued. Because um, I'd say early on in our process, and even before we had a dedicated, um, you know, focusing presence on DevNet and these kind of capabilities. Um, we were maybe using automation or programmability behind the scenes for, you know, working on customer installs, um, or even, even, even publicly, but it was, it was lightweight. It was almost provided within the project that was ongoing. Um, it was kind of like ad hoc stuff, right. But as we go further and further, you start to have more opportunities and clients that are knowing right up front that they're going to want something that's going to be more custom, maybe some integrations or automation right out of the gate. And those oftentimes have to be kind of projected priced, you know, scoped differently. And so if you don't have some of those things, even just getting it through your own kind of sales cycles and project management and, you know, business and pricing can kind of create challenges that the company hasn't dealt with before. And so the kind of requirement on the business side of the house, that the specialization kind of provides it, it kind of forces them to be vetted in that regard as well. Whereas if they maybe have been doing it, but they don't have a defined process. Now it's kind of marked down on paper somewhere. They've really thought about it and you know, that they'll be able to get that through, um, in addition to the fact that, you know, Hey, obviously we've vetted, they have the technical capabilities we've seen. They've contributed a minimum number of projects to the DevNet community and things along those lines as well. So I think that's a big benefit is that business side and making sure that, you know, what traditional resellers and VARs we're focusing on services, you know, firm fixed price, or, you know, however you may have done it. Um, They're now being able to kind of address those more unique custom development and automation use cases from a business perspective as well.
4: Yeah. I'll kind of jump on that as well. There's, there's, you know, an um, implicit uh, motivator in there too, for the engineers inside an organization to get into this kind of stuff. So where you're starting to require specialization, you know, there's there's business incentive to go after that specialization, which is great. But uh, inside an organization as well, now you've got uh, you know a reason for engineers to go learn these things. Uh, you know, pushing towards getting the certs to achieve the, uh, the specialization. So where you might have had people who were self motivated and wanted to learn these kinds of concepts and techniques, uh, you know, for their own benefit um, before. Now there's, you know, something to go after and there's structure around it, which I think is is really fantastic and helping out a whole lot.
2: Yeah, to uh, provide what may be a strange comparison or metaphor is uh, I kind of view uh, some DevNet specialization um, or really any Cisco specialization um, as kind of like when Apple removes a feature from a computer. So like, you know, no one misses the floppy drive or the CD drive, I think, for the most part but whenever they got rid of them, it forces people to get on board. Now, Cisco and their specializations is a little bit less brutal because you just opt in if you wanna do it, but it's basically an incentivization of, um, I think there's two big things from the DevNet specific side that kind of really start pushing the desire for people that um, outside of those early adopters or those really self-motivated, they liked coding or something already, um, it starts bringing the attention for those who are like maybe recertifying a cert um, now that the DevNet certs are available, they have, they can use the continuing education credits on that side to renew them, you know, whether that's a CCIE or whatever the case may be. Um, and then on the specialization side, it's also going to be incentivizing a business, um, to, you know, encourage their engineers and their staff to kind of get those things as well. So I kind of see it as like, you know, the announcement Apple, Hey, we're moving the headphone jack, you know, eventually, you know, you start seeing all those things kind of move towards that trend. And uh, no one misses the well. People probably miss the headphone jack, but no one misses the floppy drive. Or uh, you know, I can't play Oregon Trail anymore, but uh, I can at least I, I have a better, more streamlined computer. You know.
3: Yeah, I, I agree. I agree, and I, I think you know the the what I like about the DevNet specialization. It's like you know, in general, people don't really like changes, right? Uh, people just like to stay what it was before and not really bringing any changes to the table. And what I like about the program was that it basically, that was that catalyst, right? Like sometimes you just need a catalyst to trigger the change. Uh, and in our business, that was probably the catalyst. Like, you know, when our leadership and most of our company realized like, you know, the, the network automation at DevOps, it's not just like some fun, you know, guys doing some scripts somewhere in the evening but it's a, it's a serious business, you know, and there is like, you know, processes you have to put in place and you need to build basically brand new teams of people who will be responsible for new areas uh, in your business and they will bring the new revenue streams into your business. So, uh, you know, from this perspective, I think the DevNet specialization was, uh, was very uh, beneficial for us.
1: It's funny you mentioned the executive. So not too long ago, uh, we did our DevNet Create event, and I know most of the folks uh, that are that are I, I, all the folks participating here were were part of that. And I know many listening were also following along with DevNet Create. I mean, we we had thirty three thousand attendees at the event, which was was fabulous, uh, really really widely received. But the opening keynote was with Susie Wee and Chuck Robbins, and you know Chuck really mentioned you know kind of talking about the DevNet specialization and what DevNet means to our partners. Really, seeing not the idea of yeah, I can spend some propellers here, but as a business executive, what I can look at with having these capabilities, I can I can now build as a partner true intellectual property that I can put on top of that Cisco infrastructure that I'm selling to my customer. So it it's not just me moving, it's not just me moving hardware. It's not just me doing some implementation services. I can put my own intellectual property directly on top of that, which now fully differentiates me from all of my competitors because sure anyone can sell the box but only I have built this integration that ties directly to this business problem that you have and that's really the power because by having these skill sets you as a partner and our customers aren't waiting for our product development teams to release new features you have the ability to kind of spread that gap and you know paint in that uh, that that new feature that new functionality on top of the infrastructure to solve that very unique problem that that customer really wants solved.
3: Yeah, I agree and uh, and I think you know what uh, some some people are always having the questions about like you know is the is the network automation and the devops you know replacing the network engineers um and you know my response is always it's it's not you know it's just basically like a new new area new industry where you as a partner can build your portfolio uh, and you can sell the products to your clients uh, it doesn't have to mean necessarily like you know being a stick more sticky with your clients. It, you know it's definitely is one of the reasons and one of the benefits, but it also brings you completely new clients. Uh, I think what I've seen in our business is you know having own intellectual property. It's basically uh, you know it opens the doors to completely new clients. You know clients who didn't even hear about Cisco. Uh, I know we have some products where which we were discussing with the new clients with the new prospects they didn't have even wireless from Cisco or routing switching from Cisco. And it just helped to open the doors to have these discussions about the Cisco uh, as well, obviously. But the primary sort of e-discussions were about uh, our products, our portfolio. And uh, that's what really excites me, Uh, you know, building those products and and being sort of like owners, having the ownership of these products and being responsible for them.
2: Yeah. I, um, I, when I'm kind of talking about programmability and the value it kind of provides to our water, wider audience, um, internally or in even for customers, a lot that I talk with, um, you know, there's always the fear and the same thing with SDN technologies, right. Where, um, they're like, am I going to get displaced or our engineers going to get displaced? And you know, I always, it's not going to be like a bunch of horses got put out of work when cars came along. Right. Like that wasn't, uh, that's not the, the route we're taking. I always liken it more to, uh, do you think more or less tellers at banks came along after the ATM was introduced? And, uh, you know, most people would say, well, there was probably less, but actually it was skyrocketed the amount of tellers that came along because the bank didn't have to focus on just giving out cash anymore. So the tellers were able to be more strategic. they were able to do more human oriented tasks, not just count money and hand it across the table. Um, and then they were able to scale higher. So they opened more branches with tellers being more strategic. Um, you know, selling services and things like that. And that's much more, I think what automation is providing, right. Where we're not, we're not trying to displace people, but we're trying to get them to, we all have more work and less time as the, as the days go by. And I think that's really just the inevitability of technology and, uh, security that comes along with all that. So it's about focusing on the things that my brain is well, way more functional for and useful for than, you know, assigning a bunch of Elans or doing changes that are just much more mundane. Right. I like to focus on those more complex activities.
4: I think that's something that's uh, a benefit of the program that we haven't talked about yet uh, either is is um, the DevNet Express aspect of it. Uh, this is something that we've done at Presidio. Uh, we went through some training, I think, even before the specialization came around. But um, you know, having gone through DevNet Express events, you, you end up with the ability to re-deliver those things. Um, and I think that's... Uh, Got the thing up here. I think that's through the advanced specialization, you get the, the capacity to do that. And you know, for anybody who's been to a DevNet Express event, it's a couple of days of of you know labbing and deep diving and whatnot. And uh, speaking of you know reeducating and bringing people along, I think it's it's an additional benefit that partners can provide to customers, uh, kind of providing that education. And it's a two-way street as well. Uh, if you're delivering a DevNet Express event for a customer, you know you also have the opportunity to spend a couple of days listening to what they have to say and what their business challenges are. So you're, you're providing value because you're educating and training you know, a, a whole team of people how to interact with their Cisco infrastructure in a programmatic way. But you're also there and, and listening and hearing what their challenges are and helping them solve problems. And that could lead to solutioning and that could lead to additional intellectual property coming about. So uh, pretty exciting stuff, in my opinion.
3: Yeah, I I agree, Paul. And I think, you know, what in like we always understood the training as a, or upskilling our clients as one of the key priorities. Like we basically put the education on the same level, like we do have like our products or the network automation. Uh, because, you know, these are completely new areas and, you know, loads of our clients, they don't have the experience in these areas. And for us, it's important to have a client who understand what we're talking about, to have like an equal partner to us, not really selling something which the client don't understand. So what we usually prefer is to having the DevNet Express events, which I agree are totally brilliant. We absolutely love them. You know, clients love them as well. It just make that relationship with your clients much stronger you are basically two days close in the one room with multiple clients. Clients are talking to each other, clients are talking to us. it's a It's a great way to communicate with your clients. and you sort of like after two days, you get into the level where you are talking in the same language because it's completely new usually for them. And after two days, they at least understand you know basic and the core stuff about the network automation or software development. Mm-hmm. So then, next time you meet them and you talk to them, you actually are—you see—they understand, and you understand them, which is which I think the education is just key for the for the DevOps and the software development and the whole DevNet.
2: I also agree. We've done a lot of the <laughs> same stuff. The DevNet Express <laughs> events are uh, are excellent. Um, I've redelivered some of them. I've even helped just because I wanted to keep doing them. I I offered to kind of help along with some uh. Cisco folks that were delivering them. Um, Cause I, I mean, even if they're not my customers or the people I work with, I just love getting in there and talking about it for two days. It's a great excuse to, to just get in there and nerd out for a couple of days and help some people come along the journey.
1: Yeah. I, I think they really help with kind of the relational aspects of, you know, as, as you do customer engagements, and this is where kind of circling back to the business process side of it, you, you talk about DevNet Express, it's a technical training event, right? So obviously it's for the techies. Not exactly. As you've all said, it's about, you know, I'm in a room with a customer. I'm hearing what their challenges are. I'm establishing rapport. They learn the types of services I can do. They learn the art of the possible and they already trust me because I've taught them how to fish, but now I'm going to sit there and fish next to them. And we're going to get, we're going to do more business. We're going to solve more problems because I've used this technical benefit to build a business relationship and ideally achieve a customer for life by,
4: you know, again, establishing that rapport and just, just working well together. I agree. Chuck, what, uh, what are some other benefits of the specialization that we haven't talked about yet? Technical support
1: is another key one that we, that we really focus on there as well. So everyone understands we have, we have TAC. And you know, if I have a problem with a, with a hardware component or a software solution, then TAC is world class. They're going to help me solve that problem. But you're a partner that's looking to put your intellectual property on top of it. So you're going to write a program. You're going to leverage the APIs. You're going to do some sort of integration. And it's not necessarily working for you. That may not be a tech problem, that may be a you problem as far as, you know, hey, I, I need help with my code. We do have our De-Net technical support team that's available to help our partners for that. So all of our specialized partners get tickets to be able to come into that and be able to cash those in for, for technical support. And yeah, you can always buy more tickets if you consume what you're, what you're given as part of entry to the program, but that, that, that's a major critical benefit that all of our candidate partners are asking for of, hey, make sure I have some technical support here to help me. But in addition to the technical support and kind of keeping in line with the idea of this is not just a technical specialization, it's a business specialization, we also offer what we call of pre-sales consulting. And you kind of think of that as, you know, we're talking to existing channel partners here today, so you understand the value of kind of that pre-sales SE to working with your customer. But put yourself in the shoes of someone who is a non-traditional Cisco partner and doesn't really know the intricacies of you know, what is this DNA center thing? What do you mean by ACI? Kind of what are these you know, from a technical perspective? Wh- how does this really function? You can also use those, techn- those tickets to do business consulting services where we can you know, do that, basically that pre-sales function to help them understand what the capabilities are. But in addition to that, you know, for an existing channel partner that's out there, you can also leverage those to maybe you maybe you don't focus on data center and you need help in that area or. Uh, we just acquired, acquired Thousand Eyes as an example. What is Thousand Eyes? Can you can you kind of help me understand what what that piece is, and then also helping you with being able to look at you know we have challenges you know as we're building this out. Can we? Is there a better way to do this? You know, should we be tying in with additional products here? Can we do integration? So leveraging that pre-sales capability is also a a very large benefit that we have for our specialized partners inside of the the support space.
2: Uh, One thing I would kind of add on as a question there is from the kind of more technical side, you know, you say sometimes, or a lot of times some of the code might be the problem and you get support there. Um, What if, um, for example, I was working on developing something against a product and maybe the API didn't support something that I could do in the platform. So there's just not parity there yet. Is there also avenues in that kind of support channel to either kind of talk to some of the uh, key individuals or stakeholders that kind of drive the API feature sets for products or to, you know, get in a feature request or things like that, um, more specialized to the development API side as opposed to through like a attack channel?
1: Absolutely. So two ways for that. So the, the DevNet uh, support team is kind of the conduit between you know, partners running into programmability challenges and TAC, as well as product development. So you know, exactly to your point of, yeah, I can do this in the GUI, but I can't do it in the API. Why the hell is that? Okay, let, let, let's prioritize that. Let's get that on the roadmap. The other side is we we also do for our specialized partners a a thing that we call our API insights webinar. So that's what we do. It's exclusive to our specialized partners and you do see us market the the API insights. And we kind of do that as a teaser of, yeah, you want this? You got to get into the program to get it. But what we're doing with that is we're building that as kind of a a smaller community to the DevNet community that's that's very specific to the specialized partners where we have kind of those intimate relationships where we'll talk about technologies with you. Hey, here's, here's some new upcoming features. Here's some ways that we're seeing ideas that you can monetize this or here's how you can leverage these new capabilities or maybe it's existing capabilities that you just weren't aware of that, hey, you can tie this in here and that allows you to do an integration or to, to do a value add on top of that and just kind of help you with you know kind of talking through that's a two-way street, though. It's not just us talking to you. We want to take that opportunity for, hey, you know, we're, we're looking at this and exactly your use case, Ryan, of trying to leverage this API, but it's just not doing what we need to help us get in touch with the right people so we can prioritize that. And because we're coming at this, it's, it's not just one person from one company. It's now that collective of this is our DevNet specialized partners, and they are asking for this. That helps our business units prioritize that, okay, yes, this is a feature that does have legs. We can prioritize this and understand that we're going to get an ROI for that.
3: So, is there is there any plan, Chuck, uh, to bring your other partners? You you obviously like you know working very closely, for instance, with the Pure Storage. Uh, you know, like when you go to Cisco Live, you you see them you know with their stands everywhere, uh, and you have a really good and strong relationship, and they always a really good APIs. What I was always a little bit missing from the DevNet and the APIs, which you were just touch on, is like, how far are you, you know, aren't you, wouldn't you go like a little bit further with your partners in terms of integrate those APIs and and presenting it to your partners about how to leverage the APIs, let's say, of the pure storage with uh, with InterSight, etc.?
1: Yeah, so that's an area that we haven't really gone down so much so right now as far as in, doing integrations with our strategic partners, whether it's the hardware players, um, we, we do our integrations with, with Google as an example from, from a cloud platform. We haven't really gone down that road yet, but I think this would be a very interesting topic for us to, to talk about in the API Insights as far as you know, where you're seeing that demand and, and what you'd like to see inside of that space, uh, we're very open to it. We just haven't uh, had an opportunity to go that route just yet.
4: So, Chuck, I know, um, you know Presidio is uh, very, very proud to be uh, one of the first, uh, if not the first, uh, specialized partner in the United States, at least. And, uh, you know, it's certainly driven a lot of our behaviors, uh, how, obviously we're not the only, how how many different partners do you have in the program and, uh, how, how diverse are they in terms of background?
1: Okay, so point in time sort of question here, Paul. So we're right in the middle of processing a couple partners through here. So depending on when we're answering the question or when people are going to hear it, that, that number gets a little difficult to calculate. But I'll say as exactly where we are right now, we have four of them. You are one of them. Uh, Presidia was our first partner in the United States to, to become DevNet specialized. We currently have four. We're in the process right now of doing three of them. Um, you know, kind of on the audience that we have here today, or the participants. You know, Presidio being a specialized partner, Natillic being on the way, and Ironbow being a partner. That's you know, they're they're progressing towards it, and eventually, I'd like to kind of have discussions with each of you as far as you know why and what and where where you're trying to go. The types of partners that we have for it, so very large partners, so Worldwide Technologies, Presidio, obviously very large partners that are inside of the inside of the inside of their. In Europe, we have a large partner, and we have a very small partner, a company called Miradot. They were actually our first part partner, specialized partner in the world. That's a company that has 10 people. They built their pro- their company from the ground up four years ago that said, hey, this software fine networking thing, this is a place for us to stake out a claim and said, so we're gonna be different from every other partner in the ecosystem. We're gonna build everything we do. We're, we're a resale partner, but we're gonna focus on building a DevNet practice around it. So. What we've seen with this is you can be a very small player. You can be a massively global player and and still participate in this. And like we said, it's also not just for a reseller or existing channel partner. We've got a partner uh, that we're working through the process right now. They're not a Cisco partner at all, but they are fantastic at software. Them coming into the program will help us enable those partners that they want to do programmability business, but have not had the opportunity to invest in building out their own teams and their own practice they can do that joint to go to market so definitely the capability there the third area that we look at and you know from a devnet partner perspective we've always had our isvs and our dsis that were part of it so an isv being a partner that hey i i wrote a custom application and i'm going to shrink wrap this it leverages cisco apis and it doesn't an, uh, an extension capability on top of it so things like a, a a phone collaboration system, a security integration, an IoT integration. We're also looking at those partners and saying, you realize that with the DevNet specialization, you have the capabilities of customizing that shrink wrap code so that you can more, you can address a wider market by being able to deliver services that are more specific to an individual customer's need, instead of the old method of, you know, kind of here's my package, uh, you know, th- this is the function it has, take it or leave it let's not take it or leave it let's work with our customers to customize it to meet exactly the needs that
4: they have so if I'm a, I'm a partner today and I want to get into this uh, you know what's what's the best first step to getting down the path aside from having to to get the requisite certified individuals how do I engage to, to start to move in that direction how do I start building a practice of my own
1: so I'm going to answer it from my perspective. And then as we kind of mentioned to the audience here, we've got kind of three tiers of partners that are on here. I want to get your input from that as well. But the way the way we see it from a Cisco DevNet perspective is really there's two things that, that, that we view are the longest pull in the tent, so to speak, to, to getting into the program. The first one is, of course, getting the career certifications of the number of individuals that have the certifications. And then the second one is building out that practice and actually receiving the customer references necessary to get into it. So those are two parallel tracks in many cases, as far as having individuals take the tests and then kind of sitting down and doing that documentation, whether it's actually filling out the formal docs as as are necessary to go into the program, or starting to build out that practice that says, yeah, this is what I need to structure. This is how I'm gonna do my go to market. This is what what the types of products I'm going to do with software. Building out that business practice is is a very big key, but it doesn't have to be exceptionally advanced to go there. So what I mean by that is at a specialized level, what we're looking for is to make sure that you have a practice and you have a procedure. It doesn't need to be a full agile compliant process. You don't have to have multiple stages or multiple gates or multiple individuals wearing multiple roles. But you do have to have a definition of what it is that you're providing to your customers so that we can ensure there's a consistency from one deployment to the next. Now, ideally, we'd want you to get to an agile process because we think that will help you scale and be more predictable, but we don't need to force you to do that on day one. And kind of with that, I'm going to hand it back and let's let's start with Ryan and kind of with what you're seeing and where you're going, how does what I said align to as far as what you would build from a practice and what you're doing from a certification perspective?
2: So I think from kind of like I alluded to earlier, there's kind of a challenge of a, the, the engineers that are kind of self-motivated or really desiring to get into this kind of development mindset and learn these skills. Um, like those are kind of the low, low hanging fruit. There's of course the time commitment and effort to get those. So there, there's a bit of a, an effort there, but on the business side, you have a lot of people that don't necessarily maybe completely understand what the true value of it is and why there needs to be a little bit of a different, you know, sales pipeline or a pipeline of a, of a project, um, associated with that. Like, why can't I use my same PMs for the software project as I could for anything else? And so there certainly is a bit of a learning curve and trying to identify, Um, the first thing I would say is like harvest the skills you actually have internally, you may have a PM that has agile background that you don't know about because they haven't had to use it for you yet. Um, and so it may be an easier thing to accomplish than you may, may originally believe, um, you know, you don't necessarily have to hire some people to accomplish it. So I would kind of say start there, but there certainly is kind of a, a transition period of kind of giving, getting people up to speed as to why these things need to be a little different and then what exactly they need to be.
3: Yeah, I agree. I think for us, it was like, you know, the, the way we started was uh, a few years back when uh, me and my colleagues started to build this community of the of the developers and, and everyone who are interested in DevOps and in network automation and, and pulling those people together. So, you know, we had a like a WebEx Teams rooms, et cetera, and uh, like regular meetings. And uh, then, you know, after a few months or a year, this DevNet program came. So it was probably a little bit easier to motivate these people to get those certifications. But as Ryan said, you know, it's it's quite demanding on, on time. So that's that's the only challenge. But I think if you have that community internally, which can go across multiple BUs, like different technologies, different roles, we have, a, we have a, even salespeople who are part of this community of like network automation and programming. We have a salespeople who are really enjoying Python and programming. Uh, we have a project managers who are doing the agile stuff, uh, but and obviously architects and the engineers. And then when you have this community, it's, uh, it's, it's easy to sort of like uh, get these people uh, motivated to get these certifications.
0: All right, well, I think we'll wrap up there. Uh, No surprise, this has been another great episode of Cisco Champion Radio. I want to thank all of you for listening in today, and a special thank you to our guests and Cisco Champion hosts for being a part of today's episode. If you want to learn more about today's topic, just click on the link provided in the podcast description below. And just a reminder, you can subscribe to Cisco Champion Radio on your favorite streaming platform and receive alerts on our latest releases. So wherever you're listening to us, make sure to hit that subscribe or follow button now. I hope you all enjoyed today's episode. We'll see you next Monday.